You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So the forest for the tree, um, and it is a, the tree. I, um, I, I want to actually pray over this first, just because, um, as you know, I'm not the regular pastor. I have the pastor shirt on. But, um, and John showed up, so obviously if I go off the rails, he can tackle me and, and uh, redirect. So Actually, he's failing at vacation is what he told me. So, um, so. But I, I just, uh, just want to say a quick prayer over this word, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to speak uh, to the family today, Lord. And I just pray that, you, that your anointing is on this message. I know that I've been blessed immensely in preparing this word today for you, for you and with you, and I just pray that that blessing goes out to this church family, Lord, and that there's something in this for them, um, that, that's just a, if it's a fraction of what you've given me in this, I, I, uh, I ask that blessing and give thanks for that and give my gratitude for that, and in Jesus' name, amen. The, uh, so you guys, um, if you've been here the last few months, you've probably heard snippets of what I'm going to talk about um, today. The, uh, the forest for the tree is a direct um, uh, allusion to, or utterance, or what, or, uh, I'm, see, I can't even think straight. Reference, thank you, Gary. Um, reference to my talk, my tie talk last week about the, the tree in the golf course, um, if this were January, I would be talking about like 2020 being the year of perfect vision, right? I mean, just that uh, it's just a perfect title. And like Sherilyn and I were talking about that, like how can we encourage people to really kind of work on their vision for their life and their future and, and get their finances in order. And so that's what we were talking about back in January. And, um, but I don't know about you, I mean, I don't know if you caught yourself at all saying, gosh, if 2020 could just be over, um, if you haven't been talking that way, you've heard that somewhere, right? I mean, I was hearing that in April and in, in May, right? And it's, uh, I mean, you look at just all the stuff that's been going on, obviously the COVID situation, um, the riots and the, the, the civil unrest all over the place, um, the hur- hurricanes, I mean, the wildfires, um, the craziness of that snowstorm a week ago <laughs> or two weeks ago. But it's, you know, we've had all this stuff and, and people, a lot of people are hung up on just let this end. Let's get through 2020 and move on. And, um, and I've caught myself thinking that a time or two throughout the year. And so I just started thinking about vision and just the, the concept of vision and how Vision can do two things. It can mobilize us and motivate us, right, towards a positive future, or it can paralyze us, right? And, it's, and it all is based on what are you looking at, right? The word vision is what are you looking at? What are you paying attention to? What are you allowing into your soul and into your heart and into your mind on a daily basis, right? And so you think about, like, if you just were to look at the all the problems and the chaos and the difficulties and the disruptions, um, it can be overwhelming, right? I mean, we've had it all this year, right? 
it can be overwhelming if you let that dwell on you, right? But as, as children of God and as followers of Christ, we're demanded to look at Him, right? To look at solutions, opportunities, the silver linings, right? And I don't know about you guys, but have you had any silver linings this year? I hope I see some head nods, please, right? Uh, there's been a lot of silver linings, and these types of years or periods of time should be times when we're looking at the wisdom in the Word, right? And looking to the Word for encouragement and uplift, and what, how, do, how should I show up, God, in this time and in this place? And so um, we got to get creative, right? And we've got to cultivate that vision for our life. We've got to cultivate what we're going to look at, right? Because if it was just COVID, riots, economy, wildfires, hurricanes, we haven't even got to the election yet, right? I mean, it's like, we'll all go jump off Lake City Bridge, right? Into the uh, virus-infected waters or whatever the green stuff is out there, right? I mean, that, that too, right? So when do the frogs and locusts show up is, uh, is, my, is my question. Or... Am I going to cultivate my vision for my life and what God wants me to do and how God wants me to respond by looking at how I can serve? Where can I give during this time? Who needs my support? And how can I grow during this time? And if you look, that's all available. And it's just as available as the other stuff. We have to choose which of those roads we're going to walk down, right? And so the um, so I've I've had a you know COVID started out pretty stressful for me. I'm in the money industry, as most of you know, and so that was like I was working double time while everyone was home on vacation, right? It felt it felt like, and I was. And I don't, I don't mean everyone. I know there were plenty of people that worked through that, but it was like I was playing therapist to lots of people trying to talk them out of buying into all of this, right? And looking long distance and looking past this and beyond this and reassuring them that God is still on the throne, right? And we will come out of this, right? And so, um, so I, I reached a point, though, where it was like, gosh, my chest feels funny. And I don't get that, right? I mean, my blood pressure, you can take it any week of the, any month of the year. It's like steady Eddie. I'm like, I don't get, you know, I don't get that. And I just was like, gosh, I, I can't come out of this COVID thing without like working on myself or just, you know, doing some things. And so I, I've, I've read a few books and I can't, I mean, if I had all day with you, I might be able to walk you through just kind of the, how, how things have kind of fallen in together. But we, um, but I read, um, a book that I've shared with you guys called Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a Christian uh, psychologist or psychiatrist. I'm not sure what the, um, what the word is. And, and Wendy, I read that book with your son, as you know. Um, and that's just been a treat. You've you done good. He's, he's an amazing young man. But the, the book... I'm, I'm not going to touch on all of it, but it talks about like people that are out of touch and people that are in touch. 
right? With themselves, with their person, with who they are, with why they're here. Um, And the out of touch correlates really close to the culture of the day. Right? I mean, could you... Can you understand what I'm saying? Like the culture of the day is just out of touch with reality. And when I'm talking about out of touch, I'm talking about out of touch with reality. And the reality is just the need to be able to step up and meet the needs in the moment, at the moment, right? And the underlying message there is that God gifts you with the resources and the strength and the courage and the will to step into the moment and respond to the needs of the moment, right? Respond to Reality, but you know, people that are out of touch tend to buy into the culture. And I don't know about you, but I went there a little bit, right? There was a moment, you know, when the stock market was cratering where I was like, I've been talking the talk, but do I really believe that this is we're coming out of this, you know? And I had to, I had to check myself because I started to buy into. The garbage, and the garbage is everywhere, right? Social media, television, your news, you know, news programs. You know, we had to turn it off. It's been off for months, and I'm talking about the news. I took a social media um, fast. I don't even know. Five years ago, I have a contract sits next to my bed. It's signed, and Shirley witnessed it. But done with that stuff. Um, because that dominates people's reality, right? And it's it's a sad thing, but it's but we but that is built to distract and deceive you. Understand that, right? The world today, the culture today is built around the idea of distracting and deceiving you. Okay? It's in the science, it's in the product, it's in it's you know, it's built in. And so um so I, I shared um one of the uh one of the verses I have here is Matthew. Actually, I have it on screen. Holy cow. How about that? So, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. You can see that. Good. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What door are you knocking on? Guess what? Social media is engineered to give you what you're asking for. Right? And it, it's just a feedback mechanism to feed you all the garbage that the, the, the world is happy to share with you. Right? People in touch are focused on what they want. Right? They go to the well and the word looking for what they want. They stay focused on that. They stay focused on their passion, their pursuit. Right? There's a, um, there's a great... Uh, I, I heard a teaching from a, a guy who was a, a tennis pro. He's moved into executive and business coaching. And he told a story about Jimmy Connors. Does anyone know who Jimmy Connors is? Tennis pro and, and world champ, I think, from the 70s and 80s. That dating myself with that. But um, he... Um, you know, the short tennis shorts and uh, the bull haircut, right? I mean, that's, that's the era, if, you, if you'll indulge me. But the, uh, Jimmy Connors was, uh, but he was a world champion. And, and the, uh, this, this, uh, this coach was, was describing, he said, you know, the, the, he had the weirdest preparation mechanism. 
And you go out and get warmed up for the match. But his final, his final element of his pre-match routine was he would sit down in the locker room after he was warmed up with a tennis ball. And he'd stare at it. And just stare at it, right? And focus on the ball. He said after about 30 minutes, it just becomes this kind of hazy green, starts to dominate your entire vision. After about 60 to 90 minutes, you can't see anything but green fuzz. Like your entire peripheral vision goes, all you see is that green ball. Crazy. I mean, can you imagine staring at something for 90 minutes? Lunatic, right? But they said he could see the ball so well that he could read Wilson as the ball was coming at him on the court, right? We want to talk about focus, right? When's the last time we took 90 minutes to focus on something, right? Hopefully, you know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and it said 30 minutes a day. If you're going to focus on something, give it 30 minutes a day. And if you can't find 30 minutes, it's not a focus, right? Just find 30 minutes and we're all busy, right? I don't know 30 minutes. Well, yeah, we all do. I mean, we can find 30 minutes in our, in our lives, right? So the, um, for, my, for me, it's at 5 a.m., right? The house isn't up for another two hours, right? I've, I've got, um, but that Jimmy Connors story just blows my mind, right? I mean, the, the other... Um, and we talk about pursuing a passion. Obviously, that was a, a passion of his. You, you've heard of Tiger Woods, the golfer, right? You know, and, and obviously a very imperfect person, right? Um, but passionate in his craft and pursuing. And he was asked one time, you're so good and you're so gifted and you were so blessed with so much talent. Why do you work so hard? And he said, well, just because God gave me the talent doesn't mean I don't work it. I have a responsibility to work it, to exercise it, to get better, and to, and to you know, maximize what was given to me. Right? And so that's exercising our gifts. The, uh, the other, um, and I'm taking a little bit from a couple different messages I've heard over the course of the last month, and, and that was, that met, you know, talking about distraction and deception. I heard, a, I heard a preacher talking about that we're just in a world of distraction and hurry. That we're hurrying around and we might miss the best if we don't pick our head up and decide what we're going to focus on, right? The, um, the other uh, message I was listening to is this, about Matthew 20 here. Um, verse 22 when Jesus cautions the mother of Zebedee that you don't know what you're asking for. And I don't know how how many of you know this story, but again, when we talk about out of touch and buying into the world's viewpoint and buying into the world system, you know, here, um, the mother of Zebedee, which I believe is Jesus' aunt, right? Mother to James and John. John that um, wrote the Gospel of John, but... The mother, you know, verse 20 says, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it that you want, he asked. She said, grant me that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right 
and the other at your left in your kingdom. And he says, you don't know what you're asking, <laughs> right? Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And she, of course, says, well, yes, we can, right? Because, again, she doesn't know. She has no clue what she's, what she's asking for, right? And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Right? And when the ten... And, and so let's deal with those two first. Right? They went on to be... I think James was martyred in Acts. And, and John was... Uh, spent his life in exile on the island of Patmos. Right? I mean, so... They got what they asked for. Right? The right and the left. They were, they were done away with, so to speak. But uh, verse 24 here, it says... Then the ten, the other ten disciples heard about this. They were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right? I mean, Jesus is saying, hey, look, you guys are buying into the world system that there's some sort of position sitting on my left or right, right? They're coming out of that Roman rule where it's just this very hierarchical system. It's almost a caste system where society is very organized. You know who's above you, who's Below you, you know who's in charge, right? And so you have this mother lobbying for position because she's bought into this world system, right? And she's looking out for her kids. It's not, I mean, no one would fault this to a mother, right? She's looking out for her kids. She wants the best for her kids, not even realizing how far into the system she's bought and not understanding truth. Right? And Jesus tells her, you don't know what you're asking for. Right? And he says, look, the, the answer is the servant. Right? In the, in the Roman system, servant and slave. The two bottom rungs of the ladder. Right? And Jesus says right here, the, the word slave here is, uh, it's, I want to say the um, Greek or Roman word doulos which is slave to all. I mean, Jesus said, look, I am the lowest rung. I come here as a slave to everyone, right? And you want to be first in the kingdom? Adopt that approach. That's the system you need to follow. If you want to be in touch with me, that's where you're coming is through the door of serving humanity, serving people. And you think about this, you know, the Roman structure, and today the worldview around position and image, right? The, I don't know what the Kardashians' the theology is, but they enjoy position and privilege, right? Um, but I think they're a little out of touch with reality, right? And Jesus' Jesus's greatness are because He came to serve, because He came as a slave to humanity, Right? You think about Mother Teresa versus Hollywood. There's lots of great people in Hollywood, I have no doubt, but I'm using that as a symbol, if you will, okay? 
Um, Mother Teresa came to serve. Um, Hollywood's about position and image, right? And so we've got to decide, you know, are we out of touch? Are we in touch? And, and, uh, and so the, the process of being a, a person in touch with reality is an active process. Agree? This is not something that happens by accident. Right? I started out with seek and knock, right? What are you seeking and what door are you knocking on, Jesus asks us, right? We have to seek him out. We have to bring him in. We need to let him in. And so I started into a, um, a, a couple, um, well, I'll, I'll get to why I got here. But I started reading a, a book on, called High Performance Habits. The book is inconsequential, but the first principle it talks about is seek clarity. Right? And the word is seek, not get. Right? We seek Jesus and we spend our whole life getting Jesus, right? We seek clarity and we may spend our whole life before we get clarity. But the, the point is seeking is an active, participative behavior. Right? I don't know about you all, maybe somebody's there, but I'm not. I haven't got it. I haven't got it figured out, right? But I'm constantly pursuing Christ's word for me, for my life, right? We, um, that's why when you read the scripture, it often gives you different insights multiple times, right? Years and years and years after one another. And so, um, the idea of, of seeking clarity is seeking truth, seeking the, the vision for um, the truth that's being spoken into your life and not falling into that world of deception and that world of hurry and just letting the world run your life and run your calendar and run your finances without stepping up and saying, no, Jesus told me this is what my life looks like. Jesus has told me this is where I should be going. This is how they're gonna, he's going to use me. This is where my finances go, right? And so the, um, so the Matthew 19, 26, and this is exciting because I don't have the verses here, so I don't necessarily know what's coming up with the next verse. But, um, uh, but in Matthew uh, 19, 26, the, uh, and this, this one came up to me because of uh, the devotional, and it was called Cultivating Vision, which I'm like, oh, that's just perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about here, right? But Matthew 19, 26, starting with verse 5 here, it says, When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? And this is in the parable of the rich young ruler, right? Where, where Jesus said, look, a rich man, it's like going through the eye of the needle, or taking a camel through the eye of the needle, a rich man trying to get into heaven. And, and so the disciples heard this, and many of them had means, right? And so they were a little worried, right? And they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who can be saved then, right? Are we out or what? And, and uh, Jesus looked at him and said, man, with man, this is impossible. Yeah, if it's all up to you, you guys would be dropped like a bad habit, right? But with God, all things are possible. Right? And Peter answered him, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife 
or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much uh, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So there's, that, there's that promise again. The life of a servant, right? And, there's, and there's, not, there's nothing threatening in there about giving up gifts that have put in your life, whether family or uh, resources or whatever. It's, it's just to say you will, you will be rewarded many-fold in heaven, but many who are first will be last. He's saying don't lose sight of the servant life that you are called to here. I mean, that's, that's the important part. And so the, uh, the, the cult, I'm just going to read to you, you know, pieces of this, this devotional on, on cultivating vision. It says the disciples who had not yet become visionaries, right? There's that word again, vision. The disciples who had not yet become visionaries immediately gave up hope. They saw no solution, right? Again, with man it's impossible, but with God anything's possible. They saw no solution. Salvation was obviously out of their reach. Does your problem seem bigger than life? Bigger than God? Visionary people face the same problems everyone else faces, but rather than get paralyzed, right? Our vision can paralyze or mobilize us. But rather than be paralyzed by their problems, visionaries immediately commit themselves to finding a solution. I think that starts with prayer, right? I think that's like digging, that starts with digging into the Word and looking at the Proverbs and just looking at how am I showing up to this problem? Lord, why am I, why am I seeing it as bigger than maybe it is? Now before I get bogged down, right, right now before I get bogged down, I need to start down the path of solving it is the visionary mindset. More often than not, visionaries find a way with God's help to deal with their problems and overcome them rather than surrender their lives to them. Right? If we allow our vision to be paralyzing and captivated by the world's message, we can quite literally surrender our lives, lives to, those, to those lies. So vision is vitally important quality to cultivate. If you allow yourself to be overwhelmed by difficulties, your future is not bright. You will get stuck first on one problem, then another. If, on the other hand, you cultivate vision, if whenever you are faced with a problem, you immediately explore ways to deal with it, you will not only avert all sorts of discouragement, but you will also discover just how much creativity and wisdom God wants to give His children who look to him for help. I had to read that to you directly because I can't say it any better than that. Right? I mean, that's that is a, a word of encouragement that I, I think speaks to all of us, right? And I'll I'll give you next way to summarize that. Mark Twain, famous theologian. It ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Right? What are we buying from the world that just ain't so? Right? And that's what we got to be careful of, especially, especially as Christians, especially as believers, in knowing that God has got us in the palm of His hand, no matter what it looks like out there. Right? And so the process of getting in, in touch with reality, getting in touch with Jesus you know, is one seeking clarity, seeking clearly, you know, pay attention to where you are 
pulling information, and, that, and that's the next piece of it is an awareness. Where am I at? Where am I at right now? Am I aware of where my point A is right now? Right? If I'm seeking Jesus, I'm somewhere on that path right now, point A, right? I'm somewhere on that path. And so I need to be aware of where I'm at on that path and, and how I'm showing up and, and what am I buying into, right? And so um, one of the concepts in, in this integrity book, and I, I'm just, I want to make sure I give credit to where credit's due, is it talks about, you know, quite simply, are you God? How, what level is your God complex, right? How much of a control freak are you? And I, I say that lovingly as a, um, uh, as a control freak, um, but it talks, it talks about the spectrum of, of that question. Are you God? Are you the narcissistic control freak that thinks you've got to do everything your way to make it happen? Or are you on more the transcendent side of the, the spectrum where it's, hey, I know God's using me for his will and his work, but I know it's up to him all along the way. And I'm going to be obedient to what that will is. Um, but in the end, he's got me. And so the, the, I shared with this little story with you guys a while back um, about the naval commander. You guys remember the story about, um, there's an old story about a Navy warship that was heading through the fog one night when a, defiant, when a distant, faint light appeared directly in their heading. As they continued, it got brighter, and the captain walked to the helm to assess the situation About that time, a voice came over the radio and said, Attention, calling the vessel traveling 18 knots on a 220 heading, adjust your course 30 degrees immediately. The captain got on the radio and responded, This is the vessel on the 220 heading. You adjust your course 30 degrees. Negative, Captain, you adjust, came the reply. I am an admiral in the U.S. Navy, said the commander. Who am I speaking to? I'm an ensign in the U.S. Coast Guard. Then I suggest you adjust your course, said the Admiral. No, sir, I suggest you adjust yours. We are a U.S. Navy warship, said the Admiral. You adjust. We are a lighthouse, said the ensign. Right? So how big is your God complex is the question there, right? Are you God or not? And the answer is, Obviously, no, there's bigger things out there, right, that you better tap into and pay attention to and listen to in your life if you don't want to put the naval vessel on the rocks, right? And so that's the the awareness piece is where am I at right now? Um, And I heard, I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday on my bike ride, and it talked about the concept of attachment versus detachment, and it's when you're attached to something, attached to the outcomes, attached, attached to the process and how it should be done, um, that you are, um, that you're playing God, right? If you're attached, you're just not letting go. Versus detachment is, hey, I, God, you've called me to this. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to do what you need me to do. I'm going to play my part. But I know in the end, I'm detached from the outcome. I know it's in your hands. I know it's yours, um, Lord, and I'm just going to be obedient and how you're going to use me to get, uh, to get, that, to, get to that. And so, um, so I just I don't, I threw that in there because I just heard it, and I thought that was a good analogy. But I will, um, but I, I will share with you, and there's, so there's a point to this. My, like my awareness, awareness 
was challenged. Um, I shared with you, like with um, with the COVID thing and what was going on professionally and stuff. But I was uh, I gave a uh, it was Father's Day actually. And I got this card for Father's Day. It says Happy Father's Day to the man who taught me what life is all about. Noah, tell me you're awake. You, you remember this card? All right. This, that was perfect. I did not cue him to be sleeping in this moment, but it works, right? Happy Father's Day to the man who taught me what life is all about. And you open it up. Could you repeat it? I wasn't listening. That was a funny card, right? I mean, it's hysterical. Um, and so that was like, Father's Day, it was still COVID, and, and I don't know if we were meeting fully as a church, but I had come in and gave a, um, a talk out of Romans 12 to you about uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and uh, the, But we, my family wasn't here, right? And I, I don't know if it was because we weren't meeting fully as a church, it could be that I didn't sign up in time and there was no room left. John, did you sign up today? No. Oh, okay. Well, good. We got that on the recording. I'm glad. So, um, the, uh, but anyway, they were all home. And so I rode home afterwards and I was like, hey, kids, you know, did you, did you what did you think of that message, you know? Because it was all about renewing of the mind, right? And, and the importance of that. And none of them even, had even heard it. I'm like, and then I get this card. And I'm like, okay, this is appropriate. <laughs> could you repeat it? I wasn't listening. But, um, but I, I couldn't receive the humor in this because I was um, mad. I was going to say pissed, but I don't know if you can say pissed in church. Which means drunk elsewhere in the world. But I wasn't drunk. I was mad. And I did not receive this card until um, until I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, which Shirley can attest does not happen in my house unless it's to let her dog out. (laughs) No, it's her dog. But I woke up at 2 o'clock, and, I, and I, that may have been, I don't know if I read it before that or not, but I actually laughed out loud at, at, when I read it the second time. And I was up from 2 to 4, and I, I uh, was just reading. I had some Proverbs open, and I just um, read this chapter on seeking clarity. And I had an awareness moment about how I was showing up. Where am I at right now? And I was mad. I couldn't receive a funny, stinking card because I was mad about my kids not hearing the tide message or blowing it off or doing whatever teenagers do, right? And so I... Had a moment there. I read, I did, you know, I, I did this little assessment online that was part of the book, and I'm like, and it just spoke loudly to me that you can do better than this, Boyd. What are you allowing to dictate your thoughts and your beliefs and your desires? 
right? And I had bought into some garbage theology about needing a certain response or reaction out of my kids to feel validated, right? When it just, for me, I just, I checked it and I said, how can you get better? What's God, what's God calling you to improve about you, Boyd? This is about you and nobody else, right? And so the, um, so that narcissist to transcendent thinker spectrum that I talked about with who are you God, right? I was playing God because I wanted my outcome, right? I wanted to respond the way I want them to respond. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, go deal with that, dude, right? And so where are you on that spectrum? And I, um, you know, we, that, that was, I share that with you. I haven't even really shared that with them. Shirley knew I was upset because I went and mowed the lawn. So, which only happens when I'm upset or when I, my control issues are requiring that the, the cut, the lines be in a certain direction on the front yard. So, um, but the, you know, I, I do all, you know, I've done all this work in, on, 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 on clarity and just, you know, and, and, when you, and, and the Word is a clarity vehicle, right? It's designed to help us understand us and to help us reach our best selves and to follow in the way that Jesus has tried to teach us to be and to be, be a servant, right? And so the, um, so, so the, the question um, and for me was, how can I get better, right? And so you've got to take, you've got to act on that. You can't not act on that. So the, um, are you giving me the 10-minute warning? Is that what that is? I'm talking to Shirley. Two minutes? The microphone says 10.50. Yeah, don't ignore that. That is not right. That time is not right. So, um, All right, so, so you've got to take action. And for me, like the, I'm, I'm pretty good at managing my emotions, but I'm not, I'm not perfect at it. Give me that look. I am. Um, but I told you guys a story about the tree shot last week, right? With Griffin. Um, sorry, Lisa, I didn't mean to call you out. <laughs> the, uh, the, the tree shot, right? Griffin's in the state golf tournament last fall, and he slices this ball off to the right into the, into the, into the you know, the past the cart path. And as we're walking up to it, um, He's right behind this massive pine tree, right? And he's 220 yards out. And there's no way you can get a club through that tree or over that tree from that vantage point. And so he's got to chip it back in, backwards into the fairway or practically backwards into the fairway. And it's a total wasted stroke, right? I mean, there's no benefit to it. And as we're walking up, you know, I'm, I'm tailing behind him because you can't talk to them while they're playing. And so he's, I'm, I'm five, ten feet behind him and, um, he just turns around and he says, you want to see something cool? And I'm like, oh boy. Because he's, he's an aggressive player, right? And he likes to try and make up for when, when he screws something up. He wants to like make up for it in that one shot instead of just get out of trouble and get on with the hole. And so, um, and I'm like, what do you, what's he going to do? And he pulls the driver out of the bag, and, uh, which the driver's the one club that you only tee off I mean, you only hit it off the tee box with a tee elevating your ball so that you can get enough of that club face under the ball 
for the ball to travel the correct flight, right? And so I'm like, what's he doing? And my dad looks at me like, what is he doing? Um, and he, he takes this driver and, and he hits it really low and hard so it goes under the tree and curves around the tree, rolls up the fairway onto the green, right? I mean, I'm just like, I mean, both the parents of the other two kids in his group came up to me separately afterwards, and they were like, was that a driver? And I said, yeah, it was. And they, and they both said, I've never seen that before. Like, and, and so I told the story last week. Griffin told me after church, he said, Dad, you know that Phil Mickelson just did that in a tournament a week ago. And the announcers said they'd never seen it before, right? So anyway, that was the video I was trying to pull in, but I, I could tell you that story easier than pulling a video up. But, but anyway, the, um, there's, there's a few things that have to happen to make that shot. You know, one, you've got to have a vision for it, right? I didn't have a vision for it. I was looking at that tree, right? It was, it was right here, right? Two, you've got to be aware of what you, what you can do, right? Three, you've got to have the emotional strength, to check yourself and say, hey, can, am I calm enough to pull this off? Um, but you've got to have a faith of some sort, right? In that case, I told you that he, he, his coach coached him, right? He had learned how to do that. He actually corrected me. He was practicing it on the, on the range, and he said, hey, coach, check this out. And she said, wow, that's, that's a good shot to have in your bag. But you have to have faith to, to swing the club the way you've got to swing it under a pretty good deal of duress. Um, we've got to have faith to, to swing the club when we get into positions of adversity like that in life. And we've seen plenty of them this year. Um, but that faith has to be in our ability to take action, to act on God's instruction for us. Um, the, uh, I shared with you guys out of Proverbs, right, for 13, when we talked about that story last week, the, um, uh, that, you know, Proverbs, you know, verse 13 starts here, starting with 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. I gave you the story about the golfer who won the Gunnison tournament last year, only to find out he cheated, which means you get you don't get bumped down a place or two you get a zero as if you never even participated right we talk about dishonest money dwindling away um, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow he played a, he played a tournament a couple weeks ago in in Carbondale and this little freshman kid beat everybody in the field and it was just when he and when he swung the he just got up and he hit good shots short shots, right? He was the shortest hitter of them all, but he just hit good shot after good shot. So bit by bit, right, is the lesson there. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, right? That's encouragement to us that, hey, delayed gratification is a thing. And you follow me, and it may, you know, this is Jesus, you know, speaking or God speaking. You follow me, it may feel like it's not coming in your time, but get over yourself and quit trying to play God. I am God. My promise is longing fulfilled will be, you know, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
I got it in the end. It's, you know, God's message there. Whoever scorns instruction will pay for it. And you can see I've highlighted a bunch of words there, right? Instruction, teaching, judgment, trustworthy, correction, wisdom or wise. Those are all words that are part of our relationship with God. Right? And He is sowing those words, those promises into our lives. And our ability, our willingness to meet Him and to pick those up and run with them will be greatly rewarded in the long run. Right? And so, but it's these day-to-day decisions to embrace that instruction, to embrace that teaching. It's how God builds, builds relationship with us. Right? Relationships don't happen overnight. They happen over lifetimes, over long periods of time. But we got to show up, right? We've got to show up in those relationships. And so, you know, John talked about, talked about um, you know, faith declares an end from the beginning, right? God's declared the end for us, right? We know it up front, but, but we don't need to know every single step of that path in order to take the first step. Would you agree with me? Right? And so we've got to take the first step. And so coming back to um, the idea of, uh, of, of mindset, you know, I've talked about um, getting clear, having an awareness about where you're at, um, taking action, right? You've got to take action, sometimes even when it's uncomfortable, right? You've got to have faith around that action and take that first step. But then beginning to assimilate and accommodate, okay? to ingrain those habits into our lives so that our mindset is pointing towards God. So our mindset is reshaped and reformed by God, right? And so the, um, we talk about a lamp on a stand, and you know, God, you know, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, obviously in red, says, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear. We've talked about that. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so there's a lot in there, right? What do you choose to hear? What do you allow in? The measure with which um, you use something, even more, it'll be multiplied, right? And so... Um, as we, you know, the, my notes in that, um, in that verse talk about that if, if, uh, if we will receive and assimilate, which means bring, allow it into our lives, if we'll receive and assimilate God's truth, um, that our capacity will be enlarged and our knowledge will be increased. That's the promise from God. Right, but we have got to be open to allowing it in. Right, to assimilate that means that we're allowing him in, um, and that we can take in that new information. And the uh, there was a great story in in this cloud book where he was talking about he was working for a, a, a Fortune 500 company. He was in the in the office. This is in the 90s, and he hands his business card to the president of the company, and his AOL email address is on his business card. And the and the CEO looks at it and is like what is that? He said, what's my email address? And he handed the the CEO of a company, handed the car back and said, 
why would anyone ever want that on their business card? Right? It's the 90s. Come on. You probably don't remember the 90s, but I, I do. But, but, right? You've got to be open to allow things in, right? You've got to be open to, to growth, right? The, uh, and then you've got to accommodate it. You've got to make room for it. You've got to work it into, work it into your daily routine, right? And you've got to make it part of who you are. And so the accommodation piece is that you've got to make room for it so that, so that God can help you see the world differently, so that God can help you see what He sees for you, what He wants for you, right? And so the, um, the, uh, uh, just a quick story, um, you know, I, uh, part of all this, is, all this is coming during a period of time when, when Cheryl Lee has been trying to convince me that I snore for years, right? And she says, you don't sleep well at night. You're waking up all the time. You're making all these crazy noises. I'm like, no, I sleep fine. I sleep fine, right? I don't, you know, six hours a night's plenty, you know, blah, 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 you know. Nothing a pot of coffee can't overcome, right? I, it's more like seven, but. But she, so she recorded me one night. And we have a, and we have a specialist in our office who, who used to rent from us who does this type of stuff, right? And so she plays this recording of me stopping breathing three times in 90 seconds while I'm asleep, right? So I had to decide whether I was going to assimilate that information, let it in. I wasn't prior to that, but in the face of glaring truth, um, I had to assimilate that. And then I had to decide, what am I going to do about that? How am I going to accommodate that? And so, um, so I started working. I did a sleep study. I started working with somebody who's working on like my breathing. And, and, uh, and so that set in motion kind of all this stuff. I mean, the books that I'm referencing with you guys that I've read this summer, um, I, I read about fasting um, and the benefits of uh, intermittent fasting as a regular daily practice. Uh, I saw a nutritionist, looked at like where my nutritional deficiencies were. Um, I, I started count, counting calories. I mean, I got this beautiful math gift from a podcast I listened to that said, a pound is nothing, it's no big deal, it's 3,500 calories. I'm like, oh, that's math, I can do that, you know, and so, um, but what I, what I, we started making meal plans, and, 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 uh, and what I found is it all worked together. It was like, these things started getting revealed to me because I was open, and I was able to assimilate that information, and as I started to accommodate it in my life, I realized that they all worked together, right? Lucas, you've been telling me about fasting for two years, right? Um, but it all, it all worked together. It made certain parts of it easy, easier. And so I, I um, you know, and, and I actually, I'm up at five o'clock on the dot. I'm not tired. I get my scripture time then. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm just like, whew, I feel this awesome momentum. And I'm, I'm like, thank you, God. Like you've put all this stuff on my plate and you've made me open. And this card was part of it, right? I could never have predicted that that, would have been like a, a keystone where God took something where it was like, I'm in my own garbage, and he completely flipped it and said, dude, wake up. I got more for you. I got way more for you. Quit trying to do this all on your own. This is that part where you let me have the wheel, right? And just pay attention 
to what I'm trying to show you. And so the roadblocks that I don't know if you guys get, and, 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 oh, and before I move to the roadblocks, you know, I, I did an 18-mile bike ride last night, yesterday. Like the longest one I've ever done on my mountain bike. And, it's, uh, and I told Sherry later, I rode 18 miles yesterday. Or when she got home. I mean, she got home from her retreat. And I didn't tell her that I ate four bowls of Fruit Loops in the morning and I broke my fast, right? So <laughs> first time I broke my fast in three, two, two, three months. But the point is, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're going to fall down. We're going to screw it up. But hey, you know what? It all works together. And I can go do an 18-mile bike ride and pen, penton's for it, you know? And, and, and you know, but... Uh, but the roadblocks, right? We're all control freaks at some level. And I know I'm five minutes after the hour. I apologize. Just hang with me. I am rolling into the close here. Um, the roadblocks for all you control freaks out there are the dreaded, um, I know that, right? How many of you know, you know, that's, you know, that's your arrogance, right? I know that. You know, Mike Griff, Griffin told me, he's like, Dad, I don't like you talking about that. I know that story. I'm like, kid, it's not about you. I'm like, you're just one of... Eight billion people on the planet that say that, right? Like, I'm talking about me. I mean, I know that curse is when I say, when I'm not letting information in, right? I say, hey, I know that. I don't need to be told that. Eh, if someone's telling you, you probably do, right? I don't want to admit when I'm wrong. How many of you have a problem with that, right? Ooh, yeah, I just need to be right, right? Anxiety or fear around change and adapting, right? I'm huge, yeah, I'm control, you know, closet control freaks, all of us, right? Um, be certain and wrong rather than the discomfort of addressing reality, right? I know that I'm wrong, but I'm certain about it, and I'm, you know, and I'm going to stay here because I don't, it's too uncomfortable to go address it, right? Or to go address reality. And so we have got to be open, Right? So just as I, as I close here, just a few things I hope we can all agree on is one, we're not God, right? Okay, that's the first step. Um, second is it's the fourth quarter of 2020. It's around the corner. It's 10 days away, nine days away, 10 days away. I am good at math. Um, but we're not here just to wind down the clock, right? To use a football analogy, it's not the fourth quarter and we're up by 80 points and we're just winding the clock down because we've played our best game, Right? We've got a whole quarter left of this year. And we've got to decide which route are we taking. Are we going to play the game? Are we going to play it strong? Are we going to close strong? Are we just going to roll into the finish line and say, gosh, thank you, 2020 is over. No. God wants us to show up. He wants us to play the whole game. Right? How long are we going to stare at that tree and say, I can't get a club over that tree. I can't go through that tree. I guess I'm not going to finish the game, God. No, we've got to pay attention to what He's given us, what He's provided for us, and more importantly, what are we supposed to act on with it? What are we supposed to do with it? How are we supposed to show up? Where do we give? Where do we, where do we serve, right? My, uh, my wife, I love this phrase, I'd, I'd rather have the ugly truth, God, than a pretty little lie. Just give it to me. 2020 has been crazy, but it doesn't have to define us, right? You can move on. Bring it to me straight, right? What can I do better? What do I need to detach from? What do I have attachments to that I just need to let go of and let God run with it, right? And so the fruit 
You know, our, our best selves are probably outside of our current capacity, probably outside of our comfort zone, right? And the fruit and the joy are in the process of getting better, right? There's no finish line in life, right? It is an infinite game. We are all playing an infinite game that goes way beyond this vessel in this lifetime. You know, and, and uh, to, to close on this, the, you know, the fruit and the joy is in the process. You know, Peyton Manning was quoted, they said, you know, when are you going to quit playing football? He said, when I don't enjoy the process anymore. Right? And so James said, as the, bo- as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Faith without works is dead. Our faith in God, our faith in abundance and goodness should show up in how we show up. What we're doing every day should overflow and be a representation of who we are, who we represent, and that we are here to do the work, the work of Jesus. And in Matthew 6.21, do not, verse 19, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so you, uh, th- that's my encouraging word for cultivating your vision is where is your treasure? Where is God pointing you? What, is, um, you know, what should you be doing and how, should, how are you cultivating a vision that inspires you, that motivates you, that pulls you forward and that God is cheering you on, right? Because it's His, right? He's cheering you on and He's, and he's pulling you along, right? And so the, um, the, the final quote there is, certainty in uncertain times can only come from service. I heard that on my bike yesterday. Certainty in uncertain times comes from service. So if you're having anxiety right now over all the stuff going on, find a way to serve. And that's God's, request is for you to show up in that today and I would never normally do this but I, I read a uh, uh, this is an actual newspaper clipping from this morning not the Gunnison Times but um, but it was out of a section titled Dear Next Generation a Common Sense Checklist um, and it was a guy telling a story about an RV that he saw when he was a kid that, that the bumper sticker said we are spending our children's inheritance and he said, 50 years ago when I saw that as a kid, I, it really made me mad. But he said, you know, and I'm just going to pull some things out of here because it speaks to um, what you talked about, um, Wendy. Legacy transfer is critical to future generations. Did expect that. We must pour into our children and our children's children Passing on ineptness is not an option. Pass the torch without selfish resolve. Let us never hesitate to instill incremental values to those who go behind us. The next generation, right? Here is the conclusion. Don't hold God hostage for what well-meaning people with bad direction have done. It is your turn to right the wrong. Be the leader you wish you'd had. If you take care of the small things, the big things will automatically come. That is straight out of God's Word. And if you did not have the benefit of good teaching as a child, 
God is inviting you to show up today with Him. Because if we'll follow Him in the little things, the big things will automatically come. So, and I'm going to guess that I'm closing this. Heavenly Father, I thank You. Thank You for the opportunity to serve You, Lord, in this community, in this church body, in my family. And I just pray that You continue to strengthen me and continue Your work within me and be patient with me. And I pray that prayer for all of us, that whatever You're working in everyone in this room, Lord, that be persistent with us. Hold our hand through it. And continue to, to work in us what your will is for our lives in this community, in, the, in this church. And I thank you for that wisdom. I thank you for that inspiration. I thank you for your hand on all of that. In Jesus' name, I thank you. And amen. All right. And this, you're um, ready to go, I'm sure, because I don't know how far over I am. But it's, uh, you know, you thought John was gone today, but he's, he is here. So that spirit maybe was on my message. So, <laughs> so all right. The count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and in the world. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.